Hey, my name is Augustine Colebrook. I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. My focus is on big picture political movements that are happening within the profession, some of the controversial questions, and centering voices that are not being regularly heard. I'm Layla Wyatt. I am a traveling student midwife, learning midwifery from cultures and a lineage of midwifery throughout the United States. I'm here to center the voices of students to hear their calling, their pathway, why they chose midwifery, and even share a bunch of birth stories along the way. Greetings, I'm Jamara Amani. I am a midwife, a mom, and a social justice activist. I am here to challenge white supremacy, homophobia, transphobia, and anything that keeps people from being their best and living their best selves as we have the human right to do. And I am looking forward to sharing stories of birth justice on this podcast. Hi there, Delmar Dalton. I am non-binary, queer, transgender, midwife, and full-spectrum female. My focus is on increasing access and equity in midwifery care and midwifery education. Hello, my name is Angie Love. I am a community nurse midwife in Vero Beach, Florida, at the practice of midwife love. I also do telehealth midwifery through Midwife RX. I'm a mama, and I am committed to maintaining birth choices for all people and educating a future generation of midwives because we will not die out. It is necessary to be an open book and share with everyone, your experiences, so everyone can learn. But um, have you experienced like previous, I'm not saying older, but like, again, that, that prior establishment of midwives um, are not that way? Like, um, like not open. Yeah. And really like not sharing and wanting to just like hoard the information and, or if you do share information, like maybe not so supportive of it. Um, not directly. I've heard lots of stories. So I had a situation with the preceptor. And so when I would share that situation with um, my mentors, um, one of them told me like, yeah, like, this is how it is. And this is how it was back when I was doing this 20, 30 years ago. And um, I mean, it also came with like, this is how, like, this is how you move on from that. But just knowing that like, this is the standard, like (laughs) this is the culture and that that can't be right. Um, And so, but your, your feedback you got was like, yeah, yeah the feedback was like it, it it was I'm sorry you experienced that but also I experienced the same thing so in my mind it was like well why 20 30 years ago you're experiencing I'm experiencing the same thing you experienced has nobody in between come and done anything and changed anything at it's all it's you it's you oh. I'm telling you it's this generation it's you like you're the change, you know? Oh, okay. Well, that was a little dump into it, but who are you? Where are you? What's your name? (laughs) And why, why midwifery? Woo. All right. (laughs) Well, I am Yana 
Um, Yana Nicole is where you'll see all of my name and all of my stuff. Um, so currently I am a full spectrum doula, CLC, childbirth educator, EBB instructor, and midwifery student. Um, how did I get here? Uh, <laughs> so I'm an only child and um, a very inquisitive child I was. <laughs> and so I would always ask about why I was an only child and had no siblings. Um, and so when my mom felt I was old enough to understand, she let me know that she had had a couple miscarriages after um, me. And so it got my brain, my little brain wondering, like, how is that even possible? Like, how can you have a child and then not? Um, and so I've always, so I was just always just so intrigued. And so as I got older, I would like watch childbirth videos on YouTube because by then, like we had YouTube, right? By the time I got into high school and stuff. But I was just like watching videos and just so intrigued and like wanting to know more. So um, I knew that when I was going to college, I was going to be a nursing major in labor and delivery. And that's what I was going to do. And that's how I started. That is not how college ended. <laughs> Wait, so you like you graduated high school and went to school to be a nurse, like straight a out. Nurse, yeah, I was a nursing major. That's for L&D. Knew I was doing nothing else but LD. That was it. That's what I was going to do. So that's how it started. And that's how college started. And then, you know, nursing school has its own uh, whew, trials. <laughs> and so uh, I remember them telling us, like, you can only fail, as they say, which is getting below a 75, two classes before you had to get out of the program. And so I remember having two classes and one of them, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about. And then the other one, I was like, oh, I know I'm gonna do great in this. So I take the finals and the class that I was like, I'm not sure about, I got an 82. So I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. And then the class that I just knew I passed, 72. And I was what? like, oh my gosh. Wait, <laughs> so, what class was it? Um, I, you know, I don't remember the specific names. I knew like in the beginning, there was like a nursing one-on-one class and then it was something else. I don't know. This is my freshman year. I just and say I, this, no, this because like the those basic classes, year. they're no joke. They are yeah, no, no joke. Like I almost failed anatomy and physiology. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh. <laughs> it was the beginning. And I was just like, I already failed one class. I'm getting out before they kick me out. Aww. And so that's what I did. I mean, I was like, I started college at 17, so I was like, you know, kid and away from home, and I was just, in my mind, it was just like, I cannot fail. Like, I'm an only child, like, it, all the pressure's on me. There's nobody else who's going to, like, pick up the slack, you know? So I was just like, I'm away. I'm, I'm, the, oh, I'm the first one in my family. I come from a very big family. Like, on my father's side, my grandmother had 15 children. There are 49 of us grandchildren. And oh I was the first one gosh. to leave the state for college. So, like, all of this pressure is on me. And I was just like, yeah, no, I'm not about to, like. You're like, up. I'm if I'm going to yeah. not do this, I'm going to quit. And you are not yeah. failing me out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what I did. And I switched my major to psychology and graduated with honors. <laughs> and so what? I was like, um, yeah, I was just, I was out and I was like, well, if it's meant to be, I'll come back to it later. And so I was mm. out. 
So you have a bachelor's in psychology. My bachelor's in psychology, applied psychology and human relations. So, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, you're in New York, right? Not anymore. Okay. I'm in Virginia now. Back, oh, back you're home in Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Okay. So home is Virginia. Home is Virginia. Home is Virginia. Yeah. And where did you go to school? Um, I went, I did my bachelor's at Pace University in Westchester and Pleasantville. And then I did my master's at NYU. Wait, what do you have your master's in? My master's in early childhood, general and special education. So I've been an educator for seven years before birth work. I was in the classroom. Wow. Yeah, I was teaching the babies. Wow, that's incredible. How old are you? I'm 31. (laughs) But you have a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in early childhood and development, and you... So what brought you back full circle to birth? So after getting this master's in teaching, um, I think it was 2019 when I was just like, yeah, no. So this is what happened. I started a doctoral program in 2017 and I was going to get my doctorate in organization. It was an EDD in organizational leadership with emphasis in special education. And I was doing it and I was doing well. And I was doing it. And um, then uh, by, well, I started in 2017. So by 2019, I was just like, um, why am I doing a terminal degree at 28 years old? Like, who told me this was okay to do? Like, why am I putting all of this pressure on myself to get a doctorate by 30? Like, why does that matter? Like, this is the end. And do I really want this to be the end? No, no. Oh, so, oh that's so yeah. sweet. It wasn't like, cause it was too hard or because it was like, wait a minute. If I get a doctorate, I'm going to be done. I can't be it, done. And I'm just going to be stuck in education. What am I supposed to do with my life? If yeah. I finish the highest level of education. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. So. I put I, well at that time I took a leave of absence from the program but I, as you can see I did not return <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah I was just like um by 2019 that was my last year of teaching and I remember telling the assistant principal and she was just like what do you mean what's wrong she was like is it something we did I could see you at my position or higher and I was like I am not gonna be a principal wait no that, you're like that was my that was my long term that you imagined for me yeah no <laughs> nope not doing it and I was like it's not you I was like I'm just I'm getting out of education itself like it's not the school it's education itself so um yeah I in the in the midst of that year of teaching I was like I can't go back to nursing school because that's a whole other degree I already have a degree and um, I was just like, that, and that costs money. I can't go back to nursing school. Like, that's a lot. And nursing school is kind of traumatic. So she's like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Um, and somehow, I don't remember how, but somehow I came across a doula. And I was like, yeah, like, this is getting me back with the families and, and in the childbirth experience, but without the nursing school in the background so I was like sure and at that time I thought in order to be a midwife I had to be a nurse so I was just like mm. yeah I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna stay here because I can't afford nursing school I'm gonna stay here 
And so I did a doula program. I got certified with um, DTI, Doula Trainers International, and I did that program while teaching. And when the school year was done, I was done and I started my doula business. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, was and we're off. I literally, the day school ended, I like, I took a flight and went on vacation, like the mm. last day of teaching. And I was like, I'm gone. And I was gone for like a good week or two, just to like. Reset, start yeah, over. Completely reset sleeping. and be done mm-hmm. with education in that life. And be ready for my new life and so that's what I did so you've been a doula since 2019 mm-hmm. um, and you have like multiple cross certifications yes what called you to, to switch now from like doula to midwifery um you know when you're deeper in the birth world as a doula you see more things um, so I saw a lot happening. My first ever doula birth was in the birth center, Brooklyn Birthing Center. And I was just like, this is what birth is, right? She was able to walk around and eat and gave birth in the tub on all fours. And I was like, clearly, this is the experience everyone should have, right? And then my second birth was in a hospital. And I I think I was more traumatized than the mom. And I was just like, yeah, mm-mm, mm-mm, this isn't right. And then you learn more about, you know, the disparities with Black women. And, and then I was just like, okay, this isn't right at all. And then I started talking to people around me. And I would say, like, I know I'm never giving birth in a hospital. Like, I just won't do it. And so then hearing people say, oh, well, I'm glad I was in the hospital because I had a piece of placenta left in me and they saved my life. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that happened because you were in the hospital, but go ahead, go ahead. Right, right. It's because they pulled your placenta out manually and left a piece in there. But it's like, I hear this term all the time. Like you can only, or maybe I said, I don't remember where it came, where it came from, but like, you have to meet your clients where they are. Right. And you can't, you, you, you can't like, it's kind of like religion, like shove down their throats, the epiphanies that you've had over your hundreds of births that you witnessed, because like, it won't even get there. Like it won't even go into their head because they can't even wrap their head around the vicious cycle of the medical industrial complex around birth. And so you just kind of have to like hear them say, my life was saved by the physician because of the induction that went wrong. And you're just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I was just like, yeah, that this, there's more that needs to be done. And in my mind first, it was like, there's more education that needs to be done because like, I can't tell people, oh, it's safe for you to birth at home when they haven't seen it at all. And they don't even know the difference between a doula and a midwife. It's the same thing in their eyes. Right. So it's the education that's most important. Um, so I was like, I need to know more and do more. Um, and, um, yeah, so I just, and knowing how I was an educator, um, a young educator, and even though I had like, I mean, six years is not a lot, but 
I would have six years in the game and um, people would come to me and talk to me as if I was a first year teacher. And then I would have to be like, oh, so this is what I know and this is what I've done. And kind of like, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to brag, but sometimes you got to slap your credentials on the table and let people yes. know, like, wait a minute, <laughs> you <Yes>. know? Um, <laughs> Especially you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, um, knowing that you have to have, like, unfortunately in this world, you have to have something that kind of like speaks for you. Um, and so I was like, I could give all of this education as a doula, but knowing how certain things work, I kind of need a bigger push, a bigger um, thing. I got my my master's from NYU, and I'm pretty sure I got a lot of interviews just because people saw NYU, right? Totally. And so I did I not get like, into NYU, and I applied, so <laughs> just saying. So I was just like... You know, like sometimes you have to work the system, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, midwifery is a way for me to have what other people may think is like, oh, this is your, um, how do I say? Like, like it speaks for you. Like this is your credibility, right? So I'm credible now because I have this education. And so that's, that was my first view on it. It was like, if I get this education, then that'll make my words more credible. Um, and then further talking about it and discussing it, um, I then realized that my maternal great-great-grandmother was also a midwife. So I was like, well, <laughs> and my mother's a nurse. And so it's just like, all right, well, let's do this thing. And then that same summer, Jenny Joseph, it was the announced that Jenny Joseph School was accredited. And I was like, if this is not my answer, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, went on the website and made sure I was on her emailing list. And the moment that they said, hey, we're getting a new cohort, I applied. And I am currently a student at Common Sense Chopper School of Midwifery. That is so awesome. And um, can you describe to our listeners why Common Sense and Jenny Joseph is so badass? Uh, wow. So for me, <laughs> I've always, I, I don't know. I don't know. Things just like came together. So I don't know, don't remember how, but somehow I found Jenny Joseph as a doula and found out like all the like, wonderful things she's done from back when she was in the UK and moving here and then and the JJ way and the easy access clinic and I was just like wow this is this is amazing this this black woman is doing the work right it's not just talk she's doing the work and so I I admired you know the JJ way and her model of self-care and how she um, does things. And so when I found that out that she, her school was opening, I was just like, not only has she already done amazing things, but now she is the first and only black owned and accredited midwifery school. And I was just like, how can you, how can you not be a And I literally said to myself, like, you know, if, if, 
you aren't meant to do this work, then you're not going to get into the school. And so I, that, and that was my prayer. Like, I was like, Lord, I'm in this school or this is not meant for me. And so that was the mm-hmm. only thing I applied. I didn't look at no other schools. I, I didn't apply no other schools. I applied to common sense and I just waited for my yes. So did you know about other pathways in schools, like performance evaluate, like the PEP? and meek and I mean obviously we talked about CNM and they were like mm-hmm. not going to nursing school but did you know that there were other schools and or ways to become a midwife um or did you like just stumble upon common sense and Jenny Joseph and it was just like this easy yes all the light was there and there was no other research done so I knew about the pet process but I knew that for me and where I was i needed a bit more structure it's like I need to be in the in classroom settings for me um and so I didn't really look at um other schools and how their programs were set up um like I said that came across my timeline and I was just like this is it like this is my saving grace like this is it so yeah Yeah. So for those of our listeners who aren't familiar um, with some of like the different processes, and if you haven't listened to our podcast before, um, I recommend that you do because we kind of break down all the different processes, but there's essentially, I guess, four ways to become a midwife in the United States. And that is the PEP. So the performance evaluation process a MEEK accredited school, um, a CNM route, so certified nurse midwife, where you do become a nurse, then you get a master's in nursing with emphasis on midwifery, and then kind of like the birth keeper, uh, traditional midwife um, uh, that, depending on the state that you live in, might be because your culture and your tradition is, it's important that you learn that way, or that you believe that midwifery doesn't um, need a structured educational development. Um, And Judy Joseph School, like Yana said, is the first and only Black-owned, Meek-accredited midwifery school in the country. And it's located here in Central Florida. It's approximately three years, right? Like that's the timeline to finish the program. Of course, you can do it in more and you can't do it in less than two, right? Um, And Last we heard, it was blended, meaning you can be living outside of Florida and going to your preceptor outside of Florida and then coming back like every so many to do in-person time. Is it still that way? Yep. It's a hybrid program. So all of our classes are on Zoom. And then once a semester, we go to Florida to the school for skills lab. Cool. Mm -hmm. And nothing's been shut down during COVID. You still have been traveling every single semester. No. Okay. The last two we haven't um, because, you know, the cases have been going up. And so it seems like like the wild, wild West over here. We're like, no masks, do whatever you want. And so our cases are crazy. Yeah. So we haven't the past two, um, the last, the semester before this one, we did it virtually. Like they sent us some materials. Um, and then we were able to like discuss virtually. And then, um, you know, if we have preceptors 
review it with our preceptors. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Cool. Um, so do you, are you with a preceptor now? I am, but can I add one more thing Please. to this journey? Um, <laughs> because it, it was a journey and I just want to add that as I was doing this, um, doula, the doula track, you know, you have to, um, observe a breastfeeding class. And so at that time I was living in New York, living in Mount Vernon, and I came across the Chocolate Milk Cafe, um, <clears throat> which is a breastfeeding group for Black moms. And that's when I was introduced to Nubia Earth Martin. And I absolutely fell in love with her <laughs> and all of the wisdom and knowledge that she brings. So I, I just had to mention that because she I was going to say, we need to like name drop, name drop, yes, name drop. She definitely inspired me to like keep moving, to move forward into the midwifery realm because she's doing the traditional work and, and as a, a doula assistant and all of those things, you know? And so, um, she greatly inspired me along this journey. And then I have a mentor I connected with who helped me apply for common sense to get in. So Takia Ballard of Sakina Health. I absolutely adore Takia and I would not be in common sense without her. So I just I have to add respect and yes. honor to and credit and honor to the people yeah and yes. I mean well the application process to common sense isn't easy like it's no. not easy um no. it's so much so that like some people have even uh you know questioned if it's accessible right like the focus is to build more midwives and especially yes. build more black midwives and yet yes the requirements are like a full doula training and childbirth education training and yes. to take um, um, English and math and all of these things. And it's like, if you right. decided right here today that you wanted to go to school at Common Sense, you mm -hmm. really wouldn't be able to just say like, I'm going to apply for the next cohort. It's almost right. like a year and a half to maybe even a year to two years ahead that you would be able, if you have nothing, right? Like if you had nothing, right. Well, also some of their requirements though, they say like you have a year to fulfill those requirements. Oh, cool. Okay. So yes. you could have gotten them done during your first year of school. Right. So there are some people who are still doing Good their know. trainings and things as long as you are certified in that one year time. Cool. Limit. Yeah. So like, for example, I had to redo anatomy and physiology because- you know, nursing school didn't go that well. So, um, but they, the school has it available because on top of having Common Sense School of Midwifery, she also has Common Sense Childbirth Institute where she does other classes and doula trainings and things like that. So I was able to take that anatomy and physiology class um, actually before I apply or, and during the application mm -hmm. process is when I finished it. Um, so yeah, there are a number of things that they even have available that you can take with them that'll probably be a lot cheaper than taking at a at a college. Um, so yeah, I see. So like they make 
like they, they, they have a doula training, they have mm-hmm. a childbirth ed training, they have a peer lactation counselor class, right. they have the anatomy and physiology, I guess it's just like the math and the English that you would have to find. And I think right. that they even talk to you about like things like straighterlines.com or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's kind of like an online college where you don't have to have like prerequisites okay. to take an English class so that we can right, take right. the English class and it would count. So they do make like the common sense has says like, these are our requirements, but we'll open them up for you to do that. Right. Um, right. I think that that's important. I think that that's good information for you to have shared because I think a lot of aspiring student midwives look at their website and they see that and they're just like, yeah. there's no way. Like, right, there's no way. Right. Why don't I just go do the yeah. pet process? Because yeah. I don't have to do anything to get in, you know? Right. So that needs to be shared more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like um, compared to peers, I don't mean just peers at your school, but peers mm-hmm. that you know, like student midwives that you know, do you feel like having those prerequisites has made a difference in like the ability to take responsibility for being a midwife, the knowledge gap, the, the, uh, seriousness of midwifery school because they did all those prerequisites prior to starting. Um, I think the importance of the prerequisites are because when you're in an educational institution, no matter what the program looks like, there are requirements as far as like writing papers and doing projects and things like that. Um, the benefits of doing that at Common Sense is that a lot of the papers and projects we do are directly connected to what we're like midwifery and our mm-hmm. business. So like, for example, we have to do a protocol notebook, right? So we have all of our play. Um, and so in order, it, so some of our assignments in our classes is like doing each piece of that protocol notebook. Um, and then by the end, by the time we finish the program, we already have everything we need to start, right? right? Um, and so I think the benefit um, for me, like already having a master's degree, when I saw the um, all the questions on the application process, to me, it just looked like, one long master's paper or entry, like personal statement, right? But broken down into separate Mm. questions Um, because they're only expecting like maybe like 250 words each question, right? So to me, it just looked like a long paper broken down into different questions. Um, And so when you go into the program and then they say like, we have a paper to write and you have to use like APA citations, right? These are things I know because my, of my psychology and education right. background. Right. Um, but the, so that is the benefits of having, you know, the, the prerequisite educational background beforehand, but also the school knows that not everyone has that. So they have tutoring tips the videos that they share um, with tutoring tips and they have a writing lab and people that you can call and ask like, yeah. I, I don't know how to write this paper or I don't know how to study for this. Um, and they give like all the resources that Thanks. you need. So. 
And common sense, you end with a certification, correct? It's not a bachelor's. So um, for you, like, I'm just thinking like for you, that's not a big deal because you have a bachelor's, you have a master's. You're like, Mm -hmm. I don't need a second bachelor's. I need a certification Mm -hmm. that's going to give me the ability to apply for the NARM, be a CPM, then get licensed as a midwife. Um, Other people, that's important for them to know. You know, I want Mm -hmm. a bachelor's in midwifery. Um, Common sense is not going to be a bachelor's in midwifery. So some differences there. Um, yeah. So you're in Virginia right now yes. and you have a preceptor in Virginia. What phase are you in? I do not have a preceptor. Oh, okay. What phase are you in and what's going on with your preceptor experience? Okay. So, um, I'm in phase two. I'm in my assisting phase. Um, uh, how did I get here? So I had, Where are you? <laughs> I had a preceptor here and that situation didn't really go well for me. Um, I think, and this is this is why I do a lot of, I like talking to people who are planning to go into midwifery um, because I think for me, that was the one portion that's not discussed. Like, you know, midwifery is gonna be long hours multiple births in one day or whatever the case may be, you know, the school is going to be a lot of work, right? But they don't talk to you about the journey of finding and maintaining a preceptor. Um, Like the relationship of it. Right, exactly. Um, And so I think it's important to, um, in a way, just like as you are getting a, you're interviewing for a job and people tell you to interview the job as well, I think you should be doing the same for your preceptor, like ensuring that they um, that they can't see midwifery in a way that best suits you um, as much as you can, because if we can be honest, there are limited choices out there. Um, and so just seeing their views on midwifery and um, seeing where they are in their midwifery journey. That was a big thing for me. I didn't realize that, but knowing where they are in their journey. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of those things is beneficial to deciding um, on a preceptor. So I'm gonna yeah. like get down to the brass yeah, tacks yeah. of it. Um, yeah. So you, finish phase one, which is just observing births, which you mm-hmm. can use maybe some of your doula births. You could just mm-hmm. you know, assist as a doula, things like that. Mm-hmm. You move into phase two, you're back in Virginia mm-hmm. and you, how did you look for that first preceptor? Like what was your, what was your journey to find them? How did you find them and how did you interview them? And how did you know, what was the like deciding factor that said, this isn't the right fit? So the issue was my, I did not interview my first preceptor. I did not know enough to know that that's what I should do. How did Um, you get connected? We happened to connect in a local birth community page on Facebook. It was like, Hey, I'm here. And I was like, Oh, like I need a preceptor. Let's just do this. Yeah. Let's connect. Um, and so 
that's how the connection started. Um, and so I went into school with the preceptor and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm good to go. Everybody um, else is like, how did you do that so fast? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so I thought I was ready and good to go. And then, you know, things were moving. Um, okay. For the most part, like, you know, when you, when you're new into something, you're down for whatever, right? So you're just like, okay, what can I learn? What can I do? What can I see? What can I observe, right? Um, and then once you get more into it and you start to realize um, that there's a certain way that you learn and there a certain way that you should be learning and a connection between the um, application of knowledge and the theory that you're learning in school that's when things start to change right so mm. that's how things change for me it was like um I'm not really I'm not connecting things um and I didn't feel that my preceptor at the time was um available or open to really teaching outside of um just like going through a regular clinic day and just that be that um there was no skills you know because we have a skills book that we have to go right. through so I didn't really get a chance to do that and a preparation for like excuse me like birth drills um so that when we actually do go to a birth and I'm your assistant how how do you want me to support you in the birth because I've taken a birth this isn't training before um but how you want your assistant to support you may not be the same as how I was taught or how another midwife that I worked with in a completely different state. Sure. Right. How they manage um, birth. And so asking for certain things and not getting the things that I asked for. I was then, just going to say, do you feel like, um, so it sounds like you did because yeah. I, you know, I interview a lot of students and sometimes I hear the, like exactly what you just said. And my first response is like, did you set the expectations of your skills that you need to learn? Did you right. sit down and talk to them and say like, this is what I want. This is what I'm good at. This is what I need help with. This is what I would like to learn within the next three months. Like this is like help, you know, and right. if, and sounds like you did. So, so uh, I did, but not in the beginning. And so I think it would have benefited me more if from the beginning, I set that expectation right. as a student, like, hey, can you tell me how you plan to support me? And I can tell you how I best work. And, and then we can figure out how we're going to merge this and if it'll work from the beginning. And I right. didn't know that. I kind of mm. just jumped right in. Um, Did you have a, so, like yeah. a signed agreement that you had together with that preceptor? There was a signed agreement, um, but it didn't really it detailed more of how I was supporting in as like a, a student in the clinic and, um, and like the time that, like how long I would be there and things mm -hmm. like that. It didn't, it didn't explicitly detail um, studies. And I think that's what I needed more. Right. Um, and so does, I ask, does yeah. common sense help you find a preceptor or was that kind of one of those, like, we'll give you a list of all the ones, but you have to really make the connection, et cetera. 
So common sense does support, but like I said, I, I came into school with right. That's right. Um, with this one. Um, but they do support you with finding a preceptor. Um, which, you know, we are the first cohort that is all over the world, right? So usually they have their in-person classes and everybody's in Florida. And so it's a much easier task for them. So we're kind of sort of guinea pigs in this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. they do su- support. And then it's also like, you look, well, that right. in a way, you know? And so I definitely appreciate their vetting process. Um, I just think, I just wish that I had um, allowed for all of that to happen in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um and like I said, if I knew more about really interviewing and seeing where the person was and seeing what their views on community birth was. Mm, like their I philosophy is does it that. match your philosophy? Right. I think I saw like an interesting post that's been floating around the gram and it says something like, um, you know, make sure, and this is for birthing families, but it's something like, make sure you understand your provider's philosophy on birth. Some providers feel that managed birth is safe birth. Right. And other providers feel that hands off, like untouched birth is safe Mm -hmm. birth. Mm -hmm. Both are not right or wrong. Right. For you, you just need to find out the one that connects with you. Like, and, and that's right. very kind of like what you were saying, we were talking about earlier, right? A family that like, doesn't feel safe at home because they know nothing about home birth is probably going to have higher cortisol levels, higher catecholamines, no oxytocin mm-hmm. or endorphins, mm-hmm. and they're going to hemorrhage or they're going to have dystocia of labor, right? Exactly. Because they're so scared. So they exactly. need that provider that like kind of either coaches them with education like you yeah. or like, treats safe birth as managed birth. Right. Um, and if you get fit with the wrong provider, your birth isn't going to go how you would wish it to go. Same as a student midwife and a midwife. Like if you think birth is safe unmanaged and you get fit with a provider who's like, no, no, no. We give pet at five minutes. I start with that, you know, traction of the placenta Mm -hmm. mom gets out of the tub. No, you know, it's like really shocking. And you're like, yeah, but I I think you can learn I think you can still learn from a midwife that has a separate philosophy, of course, because you can learn from any sure. type of midwife, right? But I think it's just knowing that before you step in. Because mm. I, what happened was I expected one view mm. and I got another when we walked into the first birth, right? Um, so what was that like breakdown? Like after that birth, were you, did you address it immediately or did you kind of like harbor your, your, your feelings to figure out how you felt about this? Um, there was a lot that happened in that, but I, I kind of, um, I kind of held it in because I was expecting a review, you know, I was expecting to like go over this birth, like peer review let's talk about it let's debrief and I did well what went wrong what could we do better next time yeah right and so I didn't get that and so there was an incident in in during that wasn't addressed and then afterwards there was no debrief Mm -hmm. and so at that moment it was just like yeah no I, I can't continue this relationship because it wasn't just that it was also like I've been saying for a while, this is what I need. And I wasn't getting that. 
and it felt like I was just like I'm just the assistant like that's it you're just somebody to tag along versus someone you you are wanting to teach and and help you know push forward you know a lot of midwives do like a trial period with students and um I've had a lot of students say to me like ugh, I have to do a trial period and I'm like you guys that's a really good thing to do like really good thing not for it's not one way street right like yes the trial period is for the midwife to see like did you run away during that resuscitation or did you like pass out with the blood or did you like I don't know, get weird, you know, like, were you calm under pressure? Did, were you helpful? Were you, I don't know, tweeting on your phone, all these things, <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah. but it's also for you to be like, mm, this, this, let, let's see how this flows. You right. Know? right. Does she say something cringy during the birth that it's like, right. you know, Ooh, that's right. not okay. Or, <laughs> Uh, exactly. like, yeah, like, I remember one time I was at a birth, like I was, um, interviewing and she was like co- coaching the, the birthing person, good girl, good girl. And I was just kind of like, this is funky. And like, and I of course didn't have a relationship, so I wasn't going to like address, Hey, like, let's talk about how good girl would be a really strange thing to say to a grown woman she was a woman, you know, birthing a child. So I, you know, that when you're there, it's, it's a vibe. It's a feeling it's a, it's a exposure that goes both ways. Yeah. Um, I I think it's definitely important to know that it's okay. If like you've had this trial period and you realize "Mm, this might not be the best place for me and that's and that's okay and that's not saying that that there's something wrong with that midwife it's just that that's not the place for you somebody else could certainly thrive in that environment it just may not be the place for you and that's okay yeah and like all all of the 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 clients and the and those midwives they love each other because they're the right client for that midwife the right midwife for that client just like there's a good student for that midwife and there's a Mm -hmm. good midwife for that student but it wasn't you right or it wasn't me um so how did you vet your next preceptor experience um well it was a search (laughs) for sure um, but I ended up putting out feelers somewhere and, and saying like, Hey, I think I wrote a post in like one of these groups. And I was like, is anybody looking for a student during this time? Like I attend common sense. I'll be at this phase during this time. Like, you know, and so it, in comes this influx of, you know, Hey, we've got come here, come here, come here. And I, I remember stating, purposely stating, um, I'm available anywhere on the East Coast because although I'm in Virginia, um, you know, I've lived in New York for 12 years. I've always driven back and forth. My mom's from New York. So we've always gone back and forth. Driving is my thing. I love it. So <laughs> I don't mind traveling. I don't have men. I don't have kids. I can go anywhere. So I remember stating that and, and I literally like went through each one's um, website if they gave it um, or like if I felt like it was easier for me to get to a certain place because of 
traveling and having somewhere to stay, like maybe Connecticut, I had family there. So it's easy for me to go there. Right. Mm. Um, I was looking at different things like that. And then I got a message from someone who says, um, I saw your post. Um, I'm in New Hampshire. <laughs> I have two birth centers. Um, I used to work with Jenny on the Manor board many years ago. Um, you can stay in the birth center for free. Uh, and so I'm like, what? So <laughs> I can stay for free. So you already know the, the owner and founder of my school. So I have never in my life been to New Hampshire, but I will go this time. <gasps> yeah. So I, 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 I mean, I continue to like, we, we had a phone conversation. I explained my previous situation. I explained what I expected. She explained mm. what she did. And then I passed her information along to the school and they did their vetting process. And then I was there. So you I moved. spent- Did you move? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. So, so I you're like going it, for temporary timelines to do right. births and then, okay. Right. So um, because I ended the previous um, preceptor relationship before finishing all of my hours in the first semester, I had to make up those hours, including doing the hours for the second semester. So um, that was another thing that um, pushed me towards this because the midwife did say she had two birth centers and because they have the two, they're getting like 12 to 16 births a month. So yeah. it doesn't Volume matter when you is come. You're going to make up your hours, right? Well, and I hear a lot of people say like, um, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make all these numbers because the midwife I am with only does two births a month. And I'm like, it's going to take you seven years to finish midwifery school at two births yeah. a month. And I'm not saying like only go to a high volume birth center, mm -hmm. um, but, <laughs> you know it's good if you can get yeah it's good if you can yeah. get you know some births quickly yeah. so yeah so that's what I did I I left I really didn't tell anybody my parents I just left I was like okay I'm going now um I drove up I drove back home to New York and stayed there for a couple times a couple days and then went to New Hampshire so it wasn't one long drive um so that kind of like you know I wouldn't didn't burn myself out on that and I went um, the same night I got there, there was already someone laboring. And so the midwife that was there was like, hey, if you want, you can observe the birth if you're not, you know, depending on when she goes, like is active and if you feel like it. And I was like, sure. And so I was just um, unpacking, getting myself. And by 930, she's like, hey, baby's coming. I'm like, okay. So I shoot downstairs and I ended up charting times and everything. I just, I just jumped right on in. And since then it was, it's been, it was a great experience. I stayed there for almost, almost two months. Okay. I left at like the end of October. And then I came back like mid-December, like right before Christmas. And um, I did 15 births. In I was just going to say, so you stayed for two months, you got 15 births, how many prenatals, mm -hmm. postpartums, newborn exams, things like that. Um, I didn't count the prenatals and all of those things um, with, um, with the way that documentation is at common sense. Um, you really don't document the, your visits until you're in the managed stage. 
Um, mm. So I really just attended. Like I, I had a day or two days that I would go. I would go um, to the office. They had office hours, Monday, Tuesday, right. Wednesday, Thursday. And so Tuesday and Thursdays were my days. So Tuesday and Thursday, I was sitting next to the midwife in prenatals and postpartums and newborn cares and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Um, and I got well over the hours I needed to make right. up right. and the hours for that semester. So, yeah. So are you planning on like going back again in a couple of months for two months again, or how is that going to look for you? Yeah, the original plan was to go back for February, um, but I've I've been having some um, some medical things and having to see doctors, so I can't leave right now. Yeah. Um, but that it is the plan eventually to return and um, do what I need to do to get those hours. So you're gonna kind of like go every In couple spurts, months yeah. for two mm-hmm. months and then same through primaries. Um, well, no, when I get to the primary stage, I would have to stay there longer because there's right. continuity of care, Continues. right? So, um, so you're going to move? No, I will still be staying in. Dang, in that's the, so badass. Yeah. <laughs> staying in the, in the birth center and doing what I need to do. And then when there's a holiday or my time is up. Um, I mean, you're never going to miss a birth. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's so uh, cool. I, I almost did one of them, um, the midwife, because we had there's there's two midwives at that practice, and um I was with one of them for like we had like three births back, like legitimately yeah. back to back. It was just like had a baby, was doing postpartum, they called somebody else and then labor, had a baby, doing postpartum, they called somebody else. Like literally it was like that, this round, this cycle. Um, and so when the other midwife was on call by then and she was just like she she didn't call because she knew that I was on all of those things and she wanted me to rest but for some reason I was up and I couldn't get back to sleep and then I just hear "Uh," and I'm just like what is happening is someone in labor so I get dressed and I throw my clothes and I walk out and she was like oh yeah so so so's in labor I didn't want to wake you and I was like don't worry I'm up and so I no, that birth adrenaline. Yeah, that yeah. birth adrenaline. You're still going back to sleep after all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's so great. That's yeah. so awesome. And it was perfect for that client because she had spent most of her prenatal visits with the other midwife. So she wasn't a hundred percent familiar with this one, but I had been at her prenatal. Right. So, so you were the consistency there. Right. Yeah. So are any of these midwives black? And is that something that's important to you? Um, in New Hampshire, no. Um, it is of importance to me. However, um, I also understand that we are a rarity, <laughs> unfortunately, right? Yeah. What's the statistic? Um, like 2% of community midwives are Black midwives. Right. And I think that's so challenging for Black student midwives to learn from Black midwives. Um, I mean, you'd have to move again. Right. Right. But even in that, it's still the difficulty of because so many of us are now take like stepping into the calling. I mean, you can only take but so many students at a time. Right. right? So it's just like either you have the space for a student or you don't 
or you already have one and can't take another. Um, And so, you know, I've reached out to some people, you get emails back or you don't, you know, Uh, one of them I did, but she's planning to move. So she's like, Hey, you can come in March. And I'm like, March is not enough time for me to get there. So, um, yeah. So So that's something that like is predominantly super important for you to throughout. I mean, it's important. Of course it's, Mm -hmm. it's a valid Mm -hmm. need, but it's Mm -hmm. not like a make or break. I've had some students tell me like they only want to learn from black black midwives. And so Mm -hmm. if they want it to take seven years to finish school in order to wait Mm -hmm. for that preceptor to become available, that's what they're Mm going to do. And they'll turn down placements um, because they it's, it's important to continue to pass on that lineage. Right. Oh, it's extremely important. And I actually just uh, this week, actually, Monday, had this conversation with my mentor. And I was just like, uh, how like this is not like I absolutely love being in New Hampshire. Like I learned a lot in those sure. two months, but this is not how I want to practice. And right. and now I've come to the difficulty of like, I don't I don't know what to do. Mm. And so she was just like, you know, it this is the journey unfortunately and so it's one of those things of where you have to like get through school like do what you have to do and then once you've gotten your paperwork your certification then you can like you're going to be a forever student right I and like my friends and family always call me a professional student because although I only have two degrees I've, I've got certifications in a lot of things and I've started other programs right and so I know for a fact that I'm always going to be learning um but I also understand that I've got to do what I got to do to mm-hmm. get what I need to get now some yeah. people are absolutely fine with the pep or traditional way of doing things and that's I, I love it you know and I want to eventually learn that too but for me there is an urgency um and i even to the point of now I've had people saying to me how much time you have left in school and I'm like uh because I'm getting pregnant (laughs) yeah like legitimately I had a friend say like wait I have to wait two years to have another baby and I was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute and so knowing that urgency it like it completely talking with my mentor completely just changed my mind it's just one of those things where you just have to do it and go that's how I felt in in NYU I had one um it was an it was clearly a a racist advisor and she was just like because I did a master's program in one year it was an accelerated program don't ever do that that was stupid but anyway (laughs) you're like you'll lose your mind in one year almost lost my mind um and in the program she was like you know this isn't this isn't the program for you. Maybe you should go ahead and um and drop this and then just reapply for the normal program. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. Like, no. And so I went and I pushed on. And I remember right after that, I had a class where um we had a paper due and I was the only one in the class who knew how to do the paper correctly. And I went and brought that paper right back to that advisor, showed her my A plus told her I was the only one that did it. And I said, I'm not dropping this court, this um, program. And I graduated with honors. Yeah. And so that's how I'm feeling with when it comes to the preceptorship. Like I, yeah. I can't do what I want, but I gotta, I gotta just keep pushing until I get my papers, until I get what I need yeah. to get. And then I can focus on the real, the real work and what I need to do. Do you feel like um, becoming a preceptor yourself someday is something that 
you see, yeah. Yeah, for I see that sure. for you too, for sure. For it's sure. like, I, I I don't want anyone going through what I went through. I know the best that I can to um, be open and available for others, just as, as much yeah. as I was, you know, helping first year teachers when I was teaching, then yeah. it's the same for midwifery. It's the same. Yeah. So you have two more years to yes. go just about like finish the assist phase, finish primaries, managements, et cetera. Um, so you're going back and forth between New Hampshire and Virginia. Mm-hmm. And where do you, like, once you graduate, where do you plan to practice? Where do you want to live? Honestly, I don't know. I like, I'm, I, like I said, it's just me. I'm open to going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been lately looking at like, who has the best midwifery laws? Right. Like, where can I really go um, and be able to do all, you know, I want to do, you know, um, to do complete care, you know, that's really what I want to do. Um, and so, although we're like pushing to, you know, you know, we're pushing, I'm on the NYCPM board. So we're pushing to get CPMs in New York recognized, right? Um, but how far is that going to take us? You know, once we get that, what are they going to allow us to do? And so it's a fight in that. Um, and so right now I'm like, well, what, where can I be until we can get what we need where, until we're allowed to practice in New York or wherever? Cause like, how, how are we a United States? And not everyone's united on this. <laughs> like mid- How can il- midwifery still be illegal in some states? How? It's insane. 37 me. states says, yes, this is the way to go. And everyone else is just like, why would you want that? Well, why not? That's so just, crazy. So it, 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 you're, yeah. you're up, you're like kind of open to spaces as long yeah. as A, it's legal and licensed and mm-hmm. B, the scope of practice and the licensure includes like a grand support like support for all I would love to do that yeah cool I mean at this point it's really just like whatever we got but if I could if I could have the you know yeah yeah all the things yeah all the things (laughs) um do you have a birth story for us a birth story of either something like a time where you learned something about yourself like you had to have some growth or um you know just some or something that you learned about birth or you're just your favorite birth that you've attended um I don't know if I have a magnificent story (laughs) Um, all birth is magnificent yeah (laughs) right 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 (laughs) um well there was that one time that I caught a baby Ooh, yes. Let's hear that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was a first time mom who had came into the birth center and the midwife was on her way and she was like, Hey, you know, um, they're on their way, you know, just open the door, put the right, cause you're water there already. in the tub. Right. Cause I, cause I live there, put the water in the tub and, um, you know, just set everything up. I'll be there shortly. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'll unlock the door because it's like two o'clock in the morning or something. And I'm going to put the water in the tub and I let them in and just say, you know, she'll be here soon. And I, I'm just 
doing my assistant duty. Like I'm not doing anything else. And then you're like, it's a prime up. She's going to be here for a day. (laughs) Right. Um, And then I hear some sounds and I'm like, "Hmm, okay. So um, I I remember like calling the midwife, just letting her know like, hey, you know, she um, making these sounds. She wants to get in the tub. She got in. So that's what happened. She got in the tub before I was even able to fill it up because she was like, "I, I need to be in the water and so she got in the tub and then felt like the water was making things quicker and so she was like I gotta get out and so at that time I'm like I'm calling the midwife and I'm like uh she got in and then she got back out because she felt like it was making things come faster she's like okay you know um I'm like 10 minutes away I'll be there I'm like okay cool so I'm like she's in the bathroom now and we all know how that looks like Okay. I'm like, and get I'm her like, off the toilet. Get her off. That's what I that's what I wanted to say when I was I mean, like, we uh, let, yeah. You can't right. make I'm, someone I'm get off the, the toilet. Student, right? Yeah. So I was like, hey, she wanted to go to the bathroom and her husband took her in there. And she's like, okay, keep me on the uh, no, she said, okay, let me know if she sounds like she's pushing. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I hang up the phone and I keep doing what I'm doing and then I hear the husband says she sounds like she wants to push how she many births okay uh, before we get to the really exciting yeah, yeah. part here how many mm-hmm. births have you uh, been to at this point um there um, like at total oh well I can't even remember uh, this happened in November um I actually have it written down over there. The I mean, you've been, a, you've been a doula for like three yeah, years. Yeah. So I've been a doula. So I've, so. Right, so I had already done like 15 as a doula. And then I had done a number before that. So right. I'm not like fully at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so like you can tell the difference between. Uh, yeah. You can tell the sound by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I like literally two minutes later and I'm calling right back and I'm like, Hey, she says she wants to push. And I'm, and I told her to get off that toilet and back on the bed. <laughs> so she was like, that was good. She was like, keep me on the phone. I'm like five minutes away. And I'm like, okay. And then, um, so I keep the phone on speaker and I think she could tell by the sound and I could tell by the sound. And I was just like, uh, and then she's like, so Yana, you're going to have to put some gloves on. And um, yes, I love that. Stay on the I phone with that. me. She was like, I could call 911, but I'd probably get there before them. So now this is your show and I'm going to talk you through it. And I'm just like, okay. But I try to, I don't change my face because right. I'm in right. I'm with the family, but my voice is very much like, uh, no, get here now. <laughs> so, Everybody like, has okay. their own like midwife voice. I always yeah. like it's the midwife voice. Right. And everyone's yeah. a little bit different it, in mm-hmm. mine gets like this extra weird calm. <laughs> like I'll be like extra quiet, you know, yeah. do you, do you know what your midwife voice sounds like? Like your kind of um, like panic voice. I don't know. I I would say that it's it, it's probably related to my teacher voice. <laughs> mm, yeah, in that, that um, in that like get it together, but also stay calm. Yeah, way. right. Um, so I'm sure that's that's probably what it sounds like. Um, so yeah, I was just like, all right, and then she was just like, yeah, you know, 
what do you see? And I was like, hair, hair is what I see. <laughs> and she's like, okay. And it's just like, you know, you put pressure on the perineum. And, and I was like, okay. And I wasn't, I was just like cuffing at first because I was just like, I don't want to touch her because this is not my, I'm not supposed to be doing this, right? Um, and then I realized like, in that, like literally in that second, it was just like, no, you kind of have no choice now. So I was like, okay, cool. So I kind of like shook it off and was just like, all right. And so I was just like holding my hands there and just like waiting for the baby to come out. And that's exactly what I did. And the mom pushed and the baby came out and I picked the baby down and up and put her in her stomach and I stepped back. And um, yeah, and like literally like a minute or two after that, the new midwife comes in and I was like, yeah, she's like, you did great. And then afterwards she was saying like every good midwife has this experience at yeah. some point. And so I was like, okay, all right, yeah. cool. And so yeah, mm -hmm. that's what that you know, how did it, how did it feel, like knowing that you weren't like at that phase yet, and you were alone as a student, but also like you're going to experience something that you're uncomfortable with at every birth, like every single mm -hmm. birth, there's going to be some mm -hmm. new skill or some new thing or something mm -hmm. that you have to just jump into. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel like you could celebrate? Or did you feel like you were kind of like disappointed because it wasn't something you could catch, like you couldn't celebrate the catch? Did you celebrate the catch? No, I oh, I definitely did. I Good. did, I did. Um, and I and I know like when I discussed it before, you know, people have asked like, well, how come you didn't let the dad catch? And I was like, because he was freaking out and he was <laughs> he wanted no parts of any of it, and so I was just like. I, if I didn't do it, the baby would have just been on the bed. And I was just like, and that's not okay. So it kind of was just like, what can you do? Like he wanted no, like the placenta came out and he was just like, I'm stepping out the room. Like he wanted no, no parts of like blood or any of that, you know? And yeah. so I was just like, there was, there was really no choice. And so, I mean, and mom didn't care. Everything's mm. fine. Um, and when the mid, the midwife, you know, she told me like, you can, you can celebrate this because yeah. you were able to be there for them when they needed it. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if you weren't at that birth center, right. They would have been in their car in right. the parking lot by exactly. themselves. Exactly. Exactly. I love that you were able to celebrate that because I think that a lot of students and doulas, right. Mm -hmm. Get in this situation where a precipitous birth happens and right. like, they're just in the situation and they're mm -hmm. doing the best that they can. And then like, because of the law or because of right. the phase they're in midwifery school, they can't celebrate right. that. Like I had someone right. tell me like their preceptor was just like, you know, it was like, catch this baby. Like, you know, and they were in the assist phase and they went back mm -hmm. and told someone that they were that they caught the baby in their school was like, you can't catch that. And it was mm. like a problem, you yeah. know, or yeah. precipitous birth happens and the doula catches the baby in triage on accident, you know, right. it's like, you know, well, when things happen. <laughs> yeah. And so life happens. being able to celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. And now do you have like an extra good connection with that client and that family? Yeah. And that baby? Yeah. I, oh, I made sure I was there for like all of their visits. Yeah. After that, yeah, and I think yeah. it was important too. In the in the thing about it is like talking about it at school. It was the like 
it was the, you did a good job, but also knowing, being aware, like, this is not a everyday thing, right? Right. Right. So we, we don't like, want to hear this happening all the time. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's important to to put out there because like I'm not out there like, hey, I'm catching y'all babies because no, not at all. Mm-mm. No, I don't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm not doing that. But also like knowing like here are your options. All the mm-hmm. options were laid out. Right. Um, and I wasn't alone. The midwife was on the phone with on the me, phone yep. telling me what to do, directing me. Right and literally up the street. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So one thing that you mentioned was, um, that you are on the board for NYCPM. Can Mm -hmm. you talk more about what NYCPM is and what they're working towards? Yes. So NYCPM is, um, an organization where working towards, um, getting CPM licensure in New York. Um, so that we can have more home birthing community midwives, right? Um, and so in New York right now, there is uh, you can be a CNM or a CM, which is a certified midwife. Um, and so the difference between a CNM and CM, I, from my understanding, there's not much. They still have the um, the medical, you know, nursing, um, information, but without the nursing degree, um, from my understanding. Um, and so with the, with getting, with becoming a CM in New York, you also get a master's degree. And I believe that is the, um, rule or law in New York for practicing midwifery is you have to have the master's in midwifery. Um, and so like with most CPMs, you don't, you don't do that. It's direct entry. Um, and so we're working to, um, pass these, this community midwifery bill so that we can do the work that we're called to do without worrying about laws and police and the rest and foolishness. Yeah. So people can find NYCPM on Instagram, Facebook, and, um, and the website and support more midwives in more places. Yes. And find yeah. you. Yes. What advice would you give other students, either aspiring students, students in your exact place where you are right now in the assist phase or someone, you know, starting out? Um, every opportunity is a learning opportunity. There is no good and bad everything is learning um and so don't don't beat yourself up for maybe not being at the place that you expect it to be or feeling like um I'm too late in the game to be doing this this is my second technically third career right (laughs) um and so I that's how I felt in the beginning of this I felt like look this is this is gonna look real stupid because here I go again changing careers and going to another school and like who stops a doctoral program in the middle of it and all you know like you're gonna look real dumb (laughs) that's what I thought um but the reality is is that when you're when you're called to do something when it's in you when it's a part of you and when you know that that's where you're supposed where you're supposed to be it all just falls into place 
Um, it may not look like it, but it'll all fall into place. And so take every opportunity as a learning opportunity. Don't rush, just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to check back in with you, Yana. We all are. We're all going to come back and because we know you now. We know that you're a lifelong student, which is great because come on, birth, like you never are going to know everything. Right. Birth. It's never going to happen. The second you're like, oh, I've been a midwife for 10 years. I'm going to be so, I'm so good at this. Like some crazy shoulder dystocia happens and you're Mm -hmm. like, what did I just have to do? You know? So you're never going to feel like you've learned everything. So this is a great career for you. But second, like you, like you said, like, you're not going to fail out. You'd rather right. quit than fail out. And right. you're going to get to a point that's really hard. And mm-hmm. if you ever get to that point, I need you to reach out to me, to your mentor, to Midwifery Wisdom Collective, to other student midwives. And we need to talk because yeah. you are not allowed to quit when it gets yeah. hard. This I will crazy. say that is, that is how I know for sure that this is what I'm supposed to do. Because when I was teaching, I just had like, you know, the people you teach with. Right. Yeah. But when, but moving into birth, I have like an actual birth community. Like, totally. and it's not just the people it locally, like it's all over it's people that I know I can be like, Hey, what is this? Or, right. or Hey, this was, about to this quit. was not okay. Right. right. Like the right. way she said this to me, like, I'm not right. crazy. This was right up. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I know this is, this is for me. We're going to hold you to it. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find you on the gram, on Facebook? And how can we yeah. donate towards your journey? Venmo, cash um, all that fun stuff. I'm on Instagram, my personal Instagram, but I've been doing a lot of like sharing about birth in my journey. So you can follow that. It's at maybe underscore Yana. Um, I have a doula Instagram, but I don't like, I just post about my classes up there, but you can look at that too. That's um, L-I-F-E-E-X-P dot doula. That stands for the life experience doula. Um, I'm also, I did not mention this. I'm also the founder of the Black Christian Birth Workers Network. So... Um, is that yeah. on Instagram? Can we follow you there? It is on Instagram at Black Christian Birth. Um, and we have a website, the Black Christian Birth Workers Network.com, which is a directory of Black Christian birth workers all over, including Germany. <laughs> we have one in Germany as well. So, yeah. And how can people donate to that network or to you and your journey? Um, you can donate to me, um, cash app. My cash app is Yana maybe. So Yana has two N's, Y-A-N-N-A-M-A-Y-B-E, Yana maybe. Um, um, I'm also on PayPal through, um, my, uh, doula email, which is the life experience doula at gmail.com. And you can also donate to the Black Christian Birth Workers through PayPal at bcbwnetwork at gmail.com. So yeah, I'm on Venmo awesome. too, Yana Spellman. We'll find you, find <laughs> yeah, you, get, send you a cup of coffee, <laughs> donate towards your schooling. Yes, your donate traveling for this $125 Varney's book. Oh my, <laughs> you can't get it online? Like, like that, somehow? That's why I saw it on, on Amazon. I don't know. Ooh, I'll keep Varney's. looking. All right, I mean, y'all, Yana needs Varney's. Send her the Varney's book. Varney's, please. <laughs> the PDF is not good enough for me. No. 
Um, <laughs> we are so thankful for you for being with us today and all of our listeners listening to your journey. And I definitely feel like you have changed someone's path today. You know what I mean? Like someone yeah. listening was like, common sense. I need to check that out. I thought I yeah. had to do all this stuff first, or I can just travel. I, there are birth centers that will let me stay there. You know, yeah. like you have done so much by sharing your story today. And we really appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you.